Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. We absolutely love giving you the show every single day, Monday through Friday, for free. But uh, it's not free to produce. And if you'd like to keep the show on the air, we ask for your support and become an EPP. When you become an EPP, you get more than 23 bonus episodes of the show to listen to. These are exclusive episodes that are only available to our EPPs with some of the best stories we've ever gotten on them. Please help keep Real Ghost Stories online on the air. And become an EPP today, an extra podcast person, on the website realghoststoriesonline.com. It's only five bucks a month. You get all the extras and the knowledge that you're keeping this show going. Please, and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your Real Ghost Story now at 855 853 4802 or writing at com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, a grandmother gives a large Elmo doll to her grandchildren and peculiar things start to happen at home. A group of paranormal investigators are led through a cemetery by a spirit. But who is the ghost leading the group to? Could the ghost that brought a message to a little girl actually be an angel? And one California native is very used to earthquakes, but one earthquake appears to be affecting only his bed. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. And that last headline wasn't meant to sound so um, (laughs) risque as it did. (laughs) I don't even take it that way. When you read it, I thought, oh, that doesn't sound quite like I meant it. (laughs) I I wasn't even thinking along those lines, but uh, I did kind of read it like that, didn't I? Now that I think of it. But one earthquake appears to be affecting only his bed. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. His name is Keith Sweat. Oh, that's Uh, great. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I'm I'm most excited from all the headlines uh, about. I'm gonna have to say the Elmo because I'm I'm very interested in in children's toys that turn <laughs> evil. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I like that one. Have you ever uh, have you ever had a, a toy do anything unexplained? No, I, I mean, haven't. I, I we we've had toys malfunction and do somewhat weird like there was one that there was like a, uh, a puzzle yeah but we figured we out figured it out that it was the, the light frequency or the light switch yeah. the whatever that is how, how bizarre that was I, I think I wonder if that falls into the um, the category of you know the the fear box thing where oh fear cage fear cage yeah where the frequencies are just right and they can produce things yeah that's that's what this type of thing was. We have a fear cage in our living room, honey. Children's toys. <laughs> right around the kids' toys. So, uh, yeah, because you'd flip a light switch and all of a sudden the, the noises that this puzzle would make, like a fire truck sound or whatever, suddenly went off out of nowhere. Yeah. And if I remember right, didn't the Elmo doll used to do that too? Yeah. Before, before we had the uh, the puzzle? Yeah, he did, and then once we moved him downstairs and the puzzle downstairs, they didn't, neither one do that now. It was pretty much anything right in that specific area would be triggered. Mm-hmm. There was electronic when you flipped the light switch. Yeah. Interesting. 
and kind of concerning about the wiring in that portion of the house. I was just wondering if we should have an electrician look at that, because I don't know what that means, if it's not grounded properly or something like that. What's interesting, I know right uh, below that, where that that, uh, toy box was, Mm -hmm. there is a floor outlet for the Christmas tree that we used to use when we put the Christmas tree there. Oh, yeah. So I'm wondering if just somehow, you know, it's on the same breaker. Maybe it's connected. And when there's the surge of you're flipping the light on and off, it's just naturally right there going through. Yeah. It still doesn't make me feel real comfortable. Yeah. I'm wondering about the grounding of that. Yeah. And how well that is. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> that hey, might we, be the scariest part of this episode. <laughs> we added something new to worry about of our home uh, while we're uh, talking about ghosts, everyone. I'm uh, glad we were able to work that out. Uh, <laughs> this is real ghost stories online. Uh, I remember as a kid, there was uh, rumors of the Pee Wee Herman doll. I think I've talked about this before. Uh-huh. Saying unexplained weird shit. Um, and then we had stories of people calling in saying, we had a Freddy Krueger doll that said this or that. The pole spring ones, right? Yeah, or a Furby that went berserk. Yeah, yeah, it's been a lot of... Anyway, I'm excited about this. We'll get into the episode. Our phone number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost stories with us. Of course, you can always write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. That's how it all works. And if you're a new listener to the show, be sure to press the subscribe button. That way you get the show sent directly to you. You don't have to search it all the time and go, it's the latest episode. I Press subscribe. They come right to you. It's much easier. And it helps us grow in them rankings. You like that? I was really, really trying to stretch <laughs> it there to Trailer Park Boys-ish. Yeah. It was pretty Grow in them rankings. rankings. Not rankings. Rankings. Like rankings. Kind of, yeah. It's like a cousin of the rankin. Anyhow. Read a story. <laughs> Freddy. Is is Freddy the story of the? Uh... I think he's the Elmo doll story. Wow, what an appropriate name! Like I'm thinking of the Freddy doll. Freddy Cougar. No, because <laughs> we have had stories about that. Anyway, hey guys, new listener here, love the show. Well, I want to tell you guys about my first encounter. Now, this story might be a bit confusing because even to this day, I don't fully understand what happened. Back when I was about 11 or 12 years old, my family and I lived in a trailer park neighborhood in a mobile home. No, not the ones with wheels. It was a really nice place to live. Nice neighbors, nice trees. No bubbles, Ricky or Julian. But for some reason in our home, I would always have this feeling as if someone would always be watching me day and night. I would have this unwelcome feeling randomly throughout the night and even sometimes during the day, along with hearing footsteps and tapping noises in the walls. Well, one day, my grandma brought my oldest sister an Elmo doll. Four feet tall, huge head, you know, basic stuff toy. Well, something just didn't feel right about this toy. Something was giving me a really bad vibe about it. A few nights after she got the toy, I began to have nightmares about the doll. Just your basic doll runs after you in a dream, doll talking, etc. kind of dreams. The next morning, without her knowing, I threw it in the closet, in the very back behind thrown clothes and shoes. When she got home from school, she didn't even notice it was gone that day or night. That same day, I threw the Elmo toy in the closet. I had a very realistic dream about it. In, I'm, uh, in the dream, I was uh, very uh, little in my sister's room, just me and her watching TV on her bed. Suddenly... The Elmo doll opened up the closet door, violently jumped towards me, 
crawling up my leg saying, I'm going to kill you over and over again. That seems very much in character for Elmo. I never trusted that little thing. Does he say it in the Elmo voice? That's what I want to know. I'm going to kill you. I, I can't do a good Elmo. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I can't at all. Um, Grover's my favorite. I never trusted Elmo, only Grover. As I looked around the room, screaming for help, my sister was nowhere to be found as if she just disappeared. As he slowly made his way to my chest, I finally woke up, sweaty, as if I just finished running outside. This dream left me speechless and in no mood to get ready for school. Well, here's where the freaky part comes in. Our neighborhood only has one long street and one exit that led to the main road. Once you hit the stop sign, you can only turn left or right because the front is covered by acres of trees as if it was a forest. Well, as my mom is taking us out of our house to take us to school, I couldn't stop thinking about the dream. It just wouldn't leave my mind. As we pull up to the stop sign to leave the neighborhood, I see something red up in the trees as we pass by. My eyes couldn't believe what I saw. A red doll, exactly the same as the one in my sister's closet. I stare in shock, wondering to myself, what is going on? The doll was positioned as if someone got up in the tree, sat him down, both arms on the branches with his head looking down where the road was, exactly where our truck was. The only thing I could think of was I need to get home to see if this doll was still in the closet. And sure enough, when I got home from school, I checked in the closet and the doll was there. Except the other doll wasn't in the trees anymore. Till this day, I'm not really sure what or why that occurred, but I know I will never forget. That's terrifying to drive to school and there's this Elmo that's creeped you out hanging out in the tree on the way to school and the whole day I'm sure all he could think about was Elmo in the tree and if it was the same Elmo. That totally sounds like a Goosebumps book. It was a good story. Doesn't it? I mean, it does. It's like, that's like where the chapter ends. It's like, and then dad was driving us to school and I looked up in the tree and the doll was there. You know, then end of chapter. And yeah. then yeah, I can just picture, you remember the chapters had like the bloodiness symbols uh-huh. on them? Yeah. That just totally sounded like an R.L. Stein book. Um, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I would be totally creeped out. Um, Here's something that was running through my mind when I was reading that story. And this is by no means something that I think is any sort of common occurrence at all. Because I think people are are genuinely good. I, you know, you have some really shitty people out there here and there. But I think 99.9% of people really have good intentions. Um, how often do you think it is, or do you think it ever is, Um that someone would would put something in like a, a goodwill or a, a salvation army store donate to it uh-huh like a toy knowing full well it's going to go to a child uh, that is is known to be haunted or has some sort of hex or curse or something put on it well considering that at the Goodwills in Wichita alone, mm-hmm. the Wichita area, and the past year, there has been a human skull, a real human skull, mm-hmm. and a hand grenade 
sure. donated. I wouldn't put it past people at all to donate a haunted toy. Like, sure. not even give it another thought. I'm th- but I'm saying it, like, with intention. Well... You know, like somebody putting something onto the the doll. Oh, like purposely, like... Cursing a, the doll Cursing the doll and then donating it? Yeah. Well, if they'll do it to a bunk bed, why wouldn't they do it to an Elmo doll? That's true. It'd be a great way to get something into circulation if you want to mm-hmm. have it get out there. Here's what I thought. There was already activity he had noticed in his home prior to the doll. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it just used the doll as a conduit. And it was already there? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would probably make the most sense here. I just say it was there was never any definition as to where the doll came from. You know, did she buy it new? Did she get it from someone? Where did she get you know? That's where I was my mind was going. Sure. But yeah, you are right, there was talk of, of activity beforehand. That's how Annabelle came about. Yeah. You know, it was kinda I gotta see that movie. I've yet to see it. It's out now. I know. On we, DVD. I know. So is Ouija, I believe. Ooh, we should just have a scary at home date night. We should. That'd be great. And then we can uh, cry ourselves to sleep. And not sleep for three weeks. (laughs) Although I I heard each of them, eh, kind of just okay. Yeah. I do want to see Annabelle more than I do want to see Ouija. And more than anything, I want to see the Bill Murray movie that's now out as well. The only Uh, reason I watched as much Conjuring as I did, because it was the only thing scarier than our flight (laughs) to Atlanta. That was a pretty bad airline pilot on that Delta flight. He was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, what was. Here's what got me about that flight when we were flying into Atlanta when we went on our little Savannah trip here the other week. Um, he he comes over the intercom, you know, and says, "Hey, it's uh, going to be a, a nice, uh, relaxing flight. Uh, no real winds. Uh, real smooth sailing into uh, Atlanta here. And we'll be in at about uh, four four twenty four, whatever. Insert yeah. time here. So I'm thinking, okay, great. That that's a good thing to hear. I like to hear." And it's going to be a, a very smooth sailing. Totally, like, not, oh, shit, we had some real rough air coming up. Uh, stay in your seats, everyone. Your pretzels are going to be with your carry-ons. Get your barf bags out. Exactly. Um, and then the landing was like, oh, my God. I thought the wings were going to hit the runway. He could not level the plane out. I thought we were going to land sideways. And the thing is, it was not windy in Atlanta at all that day. And here we live in Wichita, where on an average day, you have 30 to 40 mile an hour winds. And that's just a typical thing for living here. Mm -hmm. And pilots land in that stuff all the time. I could see it being troublesome landing here. Mm -hmm. But there, that was just being a poor pilot. And then when we got up to the, uh, when you had to leave the airplane and the captain standing there saying, have a great day, everybody. He looked like he had just graduated high school and his pilot's cap was too big for his head. And about half of our audience will get this. The other half will be like, what? Uh, he looked like the Doogie Hauser of pilots. He did. <laughs> he really did. He did. It's like, are you 14? It's like, what, how did you learn? Like, how did you learn to fly? Was this like on Microsoft Flight Simulator? Yeah. <laughs> like, and they're like, oh, we need somebody to fly. Although, I mean, to their defense, there it is crazy hours that they, they put these guys through with really little pay, which is disturbing as hell for all the people that they are in charge of. But still. That was the only time yeah. that I have ever just prayed for hitting the ground. Yeah. I just wanted the plane to, to stop. Yeah. And it was like, okay. 
Anywho, that was a fine, fine flight on Delta. And yes, I'll say the name of the airline because, you know, I was it was funny. I was saying they really seemed like the plane was nice. the The staff was really well dressed. They it didn't the plane didn't look run down. The staff didn't look like we're wearing last week's clothes. It was nice. Yeah. But holy shit, that was a bad flight. Now the pilot coming home was, it was great. Good. Yeah, it was great. But there was that one flight that was like, oh god. It only takes one to kill you. It does. It does. Uh, Debbie writes in, hi, my name's Debbie, and I'm from San Antonio, Texas. I've been a paranormal investigator for several years now, and I totally enjoy it. First of all, I'd like to tell you how much I enjoy the show. It's absolutely fantastic and very interesting. Wanted to send you, send in this experience I had with uh, dowsing rods when I heard on one of your shows a discussion of dowsing rods. I believe they are as validating as the person operating them. Here in San Antonio, they have several city cemeteries downtown. There are several blocks of them, just back-to-back and adjacent to each other, each one in somewhat of a rectangular shape. My group and I were investigating at one of them, and we were on the lower end of one when our team leader asked if I was interested in trying the dowsing rods. I said, sure. I never tried them before and was curious. took them and followed his instruction to gently hold them and ask a question and let them do the work. So I did. Held them gently and asked if there was any one direction that they wanted me to go in. Started to actually feel a slight vibration, and the one in my right hand started to slowly swing to the right. I was so excited and surprised that I looked at Martin, our team leader, and he said, let's follow the direction it's pointing. So we started to somewhat zigzag our way clear across to the far opposite end of this particular cemetery. All along the way, I would stop to take a few deep breaths and rest my shoulders since I was a bit tensed and a couple of times I even started in a different direction just to have the rod in my right hand swing around back in the direction we'd been headed in. I was doing that on purpose just to see what it would do. Anyway, after we worked our way across the cemetery, maybe about 20 to 25 minutes after we first started, we came to the opposite end of the cemetery and they straightened out. I stopped and asked to please cross the rods if we were, uh, were, were, were where they wanted us to be, and they crossed. I looked around and looked at Martin, and he put his hand on the tall headstone of the gravesite, and we stopped and asked uh, me if I knew who this was. I said, no, I don't know anyone in the cemetery. He started to pat the headstone with his hand and told me, That was his grandparents' grave. I was in shock. The rods brought us clear across the cemetery, or I should say maybe his grandparents' energy brought us to their gravesite through the rods. About that time, Martin's wife walks up and she asked him, Oh, you brought Debbie over to see your grandparents. I was still speechless. It was a great night and we had other experiences at night. For instance, I had met up with my group about 10 to 15 minutes after they got there. So when I got there, I parked my truck facing the open gates just in case we needed to make an urgent departure. We'd been investigating for about an hour when one of the guys said, Hey, who closed the gates? We looked and they were closed and we sort of laughed and said something about so much for a quick departure. The gates are the very old rod iron type where one of us, if not all of us, should have heard something. Anyway, we continued investigating, then the experience with the rods happened, which we 
passed the gates and once again saw they were closed. But after our dowsing rod experience, and we all regrouped and started to work our way back to the other side of the cemetery. We all stopped to stare at the gates. They were opened. Like I said, there were still other experiences. It was a great night. Tony and Jenny, thanks again for a great show. Debbie G. What a great story that it led him right to his grandparents. Yeah. I just, I wonder if it was the grandparents that did it or if it was somebody that just was like, hey, I know where your grandparents are. Follow this. You know. I'd like to think that more. I hate to think that you're like stuck in your cemetery. Although the cemetery I want to go into, I'd be cool with hanging out there. You would be happy there all the time. Although it would probably get old after a while. No, you go haunt people in your old house. That would be so much fun. Yeah. No, I I almost have this mental image of ghosts in a cemetery. It's like a party. It's like a cocktail party. And they're hanging out by their prospective headstones. (laughs) And they notice some people are coming. And they all kind of turn and look. And somebody's like, hey, I know them. I got this. And they go over and do this. That's just kind of how it works in my head. Okay. Well, it makes sense for a nonsensical topic. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thought. But do you always hang out by your own headstone at the headstone cocktail party? Well, Do you you mingle with the other ghosts? In life, do you not hang out where you're most comfortable? Sure, but I would think if you're there for eternity, you kind of eventually want to mingle. You would probably mingle, but it'd probably be like you hang out around your headstone just because that's your spot. Do you have like iPads or anything to keep yourself entertained or are you just kind of staring at the leaves? I believe in the last episode you said there's no iPads and afterlife. Right, there isn't yet. So you squash that. Although Steve Jobs is dead now. I hope he's working on that. Ooh, there's Apple all around then. I don't know. (laughs) They're now just getting the iPhone. (laughs) But it's still the first generation, which really sucks. <laughs> That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can also write in uh, on the website at uh, realghoststoriesonline.com. Either that or they're just getting the Apple II and they're all playing Oregon Trail. Uh, Beatriz writes in. Once again, hello. After a short absence from listening to the podcast, I'm back faithfully. I have an update on the house story I sent in around October of last year and a short story. As I was catching up on podcasts today, I heard the half ghost story, Victorian home, lower half of the ghost in a bathing suit. I remember that one. Yeah. And remembered my half ghost again. It was in Guatemala City about six years ago. I was at my best friend's house. It was uh, our Saturday ritual. and I'd go over to her house around 8 p.m. and would stay there until about 10.45 p.m. We rarely had alcohol because her two sons were still young at home and that's what Friday nights were for at my house. On with the story. Saturday evening, we are both in the tiny living room. My friend is sitting on the sofa and I'm sitting on the floor across from her with the coffee table in the middle of us. I had the front door on the right side and the dining area and the small hallway that led to the bedrooms on my left. We weren't talking about anything of importance, just the normal chit-chat and gossip between friends, when for some reason I turned to look towards my left. I looked over, did a double take, and screamed. When I looked over at the first time, I saw the half-ghost. 
I guess it was only the bottom half because after all, I was sitting on the floor so my eye level was lower. I saw a male body wearing blue jeans, a belt, and his arms hands were hanging by his side. I saw his tan-colored hands. My friend immediately knew I had seen something, not only from the screen, but from all color draining from my face. I described what I had seen, and we came to the conclusion that it could have been her recently deceased nephew. The prior year, her nephew, a young man maybe 18 to 20 years old, committed suicide in the home, hanging himself in the laundry room. His house was located on the block behind my friend's house in the same neighborhood. My friend had not found the body, but was outside the house when the EMTs arrived and cut him down. He hung himself. It was speculated that he was heartbroken because his girlfriend had broken up with him. And about the update, my story was a house I moved into in Missouri with the boyfriend, a short sale house with odd colors, footsteps in the hallway and the kitchen doors leading to the basement and the other to the garage, uh, the opening uh, on their own. Well, I finally warmed up to my next door neighbor enough to ask about the house. She's in her 70s. Moved into her house two weeks after it was built back in the 60s and has known all the previous owners. Two, to be exact. The first owner is actually alive and lives on the corner of our block and owned all the land in the area. He was married but was unfaithful all his marriage. He even had a mistress living a couple blocks away. His wife was miserable and my neighbor even remembers a party in my house back then that the missus threw everyone out and went in search of her husband at the mistress's house. Unfortunately, she had cancer and ultimately died of pancreatic cancer in my house. Her husband married his neighborhood mistress but moved down to the corner and he sold my house to his daughter who eventually had the short sale. Essie is the missus name. She has settled down a lot lately. I have little by little been trying to restore this house to its beauty, floors, walls, and decent colors, cleaning in general. Once in a while, she'll let me know she's around. So I guess we're all good for the time being. And with that, thank you for the great show, B. I bet she'll stay all good. She just wants to hang out at her house, you know, and... She wants some girl time. Yeah. Yeah, she probably does. I would suggest turning the view on during the day. See, I was thinking more Mad Men, because that would be 60s era adultery type but shows. She, that would she, be right up her alley. But does she really, if she was unhappy, <laughs> does she really want to like watch the life she was leading and living through? I think any life is better than death, so. That's why I think she just wants some girl time. She wants to watch <laughs> the view. Maybe the view. The view. No it's live woman t- wants to watch the view. <laughs> Let alone some dead lady. Maybe no live woman wants to watch the view. It's huge in ratings. Oh my gosh. I can't stand the view. I watch the view when I exercise. You do not. <laughs> don't. It is on one of the ten televisions in front of me. Oh. But no, I don't watch it. I just see it. I I tell you what, even my ADD can't keep up with the four of them cackling away all day. I I I I was because uh, like I said, there's ten televisions on where I I exercise, and I I didn't even realize Rosie O'Donnell was on the View. Not anymore. Not anymore. No, I I, I saw I, I caught that the other day. They like I just saw like the big graphics like Rosie's leaving. I'm like I didn't know she was even on the show. I know. <laughs> like uh, I don't even know who's on that show anymore. 
No. Uh, it, it doesn't look resemble like what it was. With, I remember Barbara Walters was on it. it was well, like she a, started it. She's gone now. I don't yeah. even know who these... Whoopi Goldberg was the only one I, I recognized. The rest, I have no idea. God, you remember when that show was new? That was like 12 years ago. Oh, it's more than that. Really? I think it's probably more like closer to 20. Ugh. Yeah. Everything makes me feel old. Yeah, it's it's a, like a 20-year-old show now. But it was a big deal back then. It's still obnoxious. I don't like it. <laughs> it it has it has its viewers. I'd rather watch golf on TV than that. I used, I used to like uh, Regis and Kathy Lee. Yeah. Just because there was so much animosity between those two. That was interesting. <laughs> now it's funny watching the... Uh, and I don't really watch it much at all. Um, but uh, when Kathy Lee's on like the late version of the Today Show with uh, Huda or whatever her name is uh-huh. and they're like drunk at 9am <laughs> and they, 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 they openly drink on the show oh wow I'm not even kidding it's like every time it's on one of the televisions they have cocktails in front of them at like 9.30 in the morning or whatever maybe it's 10 because it's late today if you didn't get enough of the ridge the first today you can watch them cackling away but, yeah Okay. It's great fun. <laughs> it's like, oh, we have nothing else to put on NBC today. Uh, Rochelle writes in, uh, my story happened when I was still living in the Philippines. One day during our afternoon break at school, elementary, a group of classmates and I decided to walk around the uh, school to kill time. While walking, we could hear a clapping noise coming from the restroom as we got closer to it. My classmates and I stopped in front of the restroom out of curiosity. My classmates decided to check it out and went inside the restroom while I stood outside to wait instead. I didn't want to go in with them because I felt a little weird and creeped out. When they came out of the restroom, they all seemed a bit freaked out and said they saw two hands clapping with no other body parts attached to it. Oh, kind of like The Conjuring. Yeah, that's just coming to my mind. One of my classmates, Vanessa, told me that the clapping hands will follow me because I was wearing white. I was wearing a white sleeveless shirt at the time. She seemed serious and she wasn't the type to make any jokes. What she said really scared me. When class was over that day, my aunt picked me up from school. While we were walking, I could hear the clapping noise following us. I asked my aunt if she hears it and she said that she, she said no. For about two weeks, the clapping noise followed me. I never saw what it looked like. I just always heard it. It was the first thing I heard when I woke up in the morning. I heard it outside the window while I was showering and heard it while in class and while walking to and from school. Pretty much followed me wherever I was to the point that I got so used to it. One day, about two weeks later, Vanessa told me that she buried the clapping hands and it will leave me alone and no longer follow me. She also said that her mom is a witch, and she also has some knowledge in witchcraft which helped her bury the clapping hands. From that day on, I never heard the clapping hands anymore. To this day, I still don't know why the clapping hands chose to follow me. Thank you for reading my story. I have a couple more to share in the future. Okay, I think this, to me, sounds more like a Goosebumps book. The clapping hands? Yeah. I mean, I I believe that it happened to this young lady, but it just kind of sounds because of the age and everything like a Goosebumps book. Okay. I could just picture the the hands on the cover of the book. The other thing that comes to mind is can hold me down da, 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 cause I'm happy. 
Why do you choose to sing on every single episode? Because I like to serenade you. This is not a variety show. <laughs> Next week, we're going to do Carol Burnett skits. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. I'm going to be Tim Conway. <laughs> Yes, and again, that's like three, four, like you know, one third of our audience maybe got that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just sad because we're not that old, but there's like a disconnect there to like is. history. And Carol Burnett really wasn't our generation either, but I knew about it. Mm-hmm. You notice when we talk to folks? Here we go. Yeah, talk to folks um, uh, uh, that are not maybe even I don't know ten years younger than us. Mm-hmm. There is little to no knowledge about anything that existed prior to their existence. Like, none. I've noticed that. And that's just kind of odd to me, because I know so much about pop culture a good 20 years prior to when I was born. Because mm-hmm. my parents told me about it, and they exposed me to it, and I was interested in it. And it's not like this stuff doesn't exist. I mean... There's probably more opportunities than ever to be exposed to pop culture of the 20 years prior to your existence with cable and the Internet. And it's there. Yeah. Is it that people are just so engaged in their self-narcissism now and what they're doing at that moment that they are just completely, I guess, in the past, maybe we'd engross ourselves more in like other things than ourselves well, um, I spent quite a bit of time, like, talking to my parents, and they sure. would tell me things about them growing up and what they'd watch and yeah. what they thought was funny. And if we were lucky, there would be reruns of things they watched when they were yeah. younger that were still on, so they could share that experience with me. Sure. I don't think any of that happens anymore. I think everybody's too busy doing their own stuff. Taking selfies. <laughs> Yeah. And it's I think that's that's the problem. It's like the the time that we spent kind of engrossing ourselves and and you know learning and enjoying some of the things of our our the past that came before us mm-hmm. pop culture wise uh it is now not at all happening. It's all just me me. Look at me. Look at me in this pose. Look at me in that pose. And it's it's just not going out there. And it's because of that that we inflict so much of our childhood on our children. Our children are going to know so much about the 90s. It's well, hilarious. The lucky thing is is that we have the we're in the age of having YouTube, so yeah. we can just pull up something from our childhood and mm-hmm. show it to them yeah. right when we're talking about it. Which is neat. Yeah. I, I just don't think that happens no. very much anymore. Yeah. It's an interesting observation. There we go. Adam writes in, Hey, Tony and Jennifer, I was pretty stoked to have my Haunted Bridge story featured in the last EPP episode. I'm a pretty new listener, so I've been enjoying catching up on past episodes of the podcast. I think I've pretty much submitted everything that happened to me personally, but I have a few that have happened to friends and family members. This one is about my sister when she was about three years old. According to my mom, she woke up one night to the sound of my sister frantically calling her name. My mom rushed into the bedroom to comfort her and asked what was wrong. My sister pointed to her window and said, Make the angel go away and stop talking to me. 
My mom was puzzled, thinking that surely my sister had had a nightmare of some kind, since no one could have been there. It's important to note that all of the bedrooms were on the second story of the home we lived at in the time. She asked my sister what the angel had said to her. My sister replied that he sat on the windowsill watching her and kept telling her, everything's going to be okay, or something along those lines. It's funny to me thinking back on this story because apparently she was more mad over the angel waking her up than the fact that some kind of supernatural being was sitting on her windowsill. Anyway, my mom thought it was weird, but attributed it to a strange dream and the overactive imagination of a child for a while. A few weeks later, my sister came down with a rare kidney disorder that landed her in the hospital for a while. I wish I could remember what she said uh, or what she had, but I honestly don't know. All I know is that she would have died if she hadn't been admitted. I'm not particularly religious, so I'm not going to go ahead and say for certain this was an angel. I'm sure that's what she interpreted it as. Since we were raised in a strict Christian household, this happened at the same house in Germany that I saw the shadow figure walk out of my bedroom into the hallway, so it definitely makes me feel like we had some extra roommates watching out for us. See, I'm I'm not so much sure that it was an angel as maybe somebody that was a previous relative that she just didn't know. Because we've talked a lot about past generations coming back to watch over the the young ones and tell them things and sure i'm just kind of curious if maybe that's what it was like and it knew about the impending ailment yeah kind of like the cancer sniffing dogs cancer sniffing dogs they have cancer sniffing dogs are you sure yes i mean it's not like widely used but they have tested this and there is, and it's not like foolproof yet, but it's it's being worked on. I'm not even making this up. It's just, okay. This is not, it's not just crows using tools. It's cancer, seriously, they, it is something that does exist to a certain extent. It's not like you're going to go to the, you know, the clinic and like, you know, Barky's going to run out and go, nope, you're good. You know, <laughs> I'm going to look into that because I okay. knew that there were dogs that could sniff out when a child or or even an adult's about to have an epileptic seizure. Yeah. Or if you're about to have a, um, like diabetics, if they have a low or something. Yeah. But I've not heard the cancer one. It exists. That just sounds like something you would tell me because <laughs> you tell me things. I know I tell you things. That aren't true and I believe them. <laughs> And then you tell me like a week later, oh, by the way, it doesn't go a week. It goes like 10 seconds. No, you let me, you let me believe stuff. So I don't believe anything you say anymore. Oh, the abuse in this relationship. That's the only bad. That's it. Um, No, it does. I I don't know a whole lot about it. I have heard bits and pieces here and there um, to know that it, it, and I've heard it from like reputable sources and and shows and such, but I've never like really dived in or googled it myself but uh, so I'm, I'm assuming it's one of those you know so, in progress cancer sniffing ghost yeah essentially is kind of what I was getting at I think they just know things I think they know how things are going to turn out yeah that's why when you're about to die they come and hang out to, to guide you home okay 
Yeah, makes sense. So there you go. Interesting. 855-853-4802. That's her phone number. Julia writes in. Hi, Tony and Jenny. My name's Julia. I'm from right outside of Washington, D.C. I've been an avid listener for a few months now and am totally hooked on your ghost stories. A good place for us to go check out ghost stuff. We should go to Georgetown. You would love it. I would love that. That is a... Uh, I don't want to say creepy because it's... Eh, it's about as creepy as you would say Savannah was creepy, which is not, I didn't really feel creepy there. It was more Very historic. historic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. You know, there there is that element of it, but more so historic beauty and just neat. Uh-huh. You, know, you just, you feel the energy there. In fact, I felt it a little bit more in Georgetown, honestly. Really? Of energy, if you will. And maybe it's just because you're seeing all these historic buildings and you can like read some of these placards of who lived there. And it's like the who's who of the founding fathers of the United States. Okay. And it's like, oh, if you, you know, you paid attention in history class at all, you would be like, oh, wow. And it's like, you know, this is a bagel shop now. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, that's interesting. Um, anywho, that's another place we should go and visit, put on our list of go check out ghost stuff there. Someday. Anyhow, uh, I teach voice, drama, and piano all over the place and am constantly driving around. So podcasts are my jam. Though I've always been interested in the paranormal, I have never had my own experience. But all that changed a few months ago. Here's a little background information. My father's mother passed away right after my parents got married. From what I've been told, she was a wonderful, kind piano teacher who had a a, a melodic South Carolinian uh, Carolinian accent. Is it Carolinian? Carolinian. Carolinian accent. Margaret had two pianos, a modest stand-up, which used to live in our library, and a gorgeous baby grand Steinway that lived with my uh, aunt and uncle. My aunt and uncle moved into a smaller condo in the city, and the grand piano was just too big for the space. So my parents traded and traded the stand-up for the baby grandpa because they had a spot for it in the living room. I'm home a lot during the day by myself, so I like to have jam sessions. Playing on the baby grand always brings me so much peace, calms me down when I'm anxious, and it's like I can feel Margaret's spirit with me when I play. Obviously, that's not enough evidence to make a ghost story, but wait, there's more. If you call right now, you'll get a second ghost absolutely free. My second story happened when I was teaching one day. It was a private voice lesson, and the first day I decided to use Margaret's uh, metronome, which sits on the top of the piano. We finished using it. I closed it up, turned around, and the second I turned my back, I heard a bang on the piano right behind me. I didn't hit anything. No one else was home, and my student heard it too. The last experience is probably the most noticeable, and it didn't even happen to me. My mom went up for my dad's birthday dinner, and she was listening to a CD of the Boston Pops performing songs from movies when the Gone with the Wind theme came on. My mom looked up, smiled, and said, This one's for you, Margaret. And the second she started to look down, a shadow swooshed by right in front of her. Much like Jenny, my family and I don't really subscribe to coincidence, so we refuse to believe these things are not connected. We love Margaret and are more than happy to have her watching over us and reminding us that she's here. Thank you for reading my story. My husband plans on calling in with his creepy stories sometime soon. Love you guys. Do have your husband call in with his story. And I like this one. It's, you know, there's no creepiness to it. It's just... 
a, a family fun, member. Yeah, a fun piano teacher that uh, still is enjoying her piano and uh, sharing her love of music with someone. Yeah, and she's probably very happy that both her pianos are being used. Yeah. And still in the family. Yeah. I, I That says a very, very pleasing story. Yeah. If you will. Um, so I like that. Thank you for uh, for writing that in. Our uh, phone number, by the way, 855-853-4802. If you enjoy the show, you want to keep it going, uh, that's where we need your support. Uh, we have a lot of folks who are already EPPs, but uh, our costs for producing the show just continue to go up every month, essentially, because our audience gets bigger every month, and that means more and more bandwidth costs for uh, for getting the show to be able to be downloaded. Uh, so it's only 5 bucks a month. It's our EPP program. It's called Extra Podcast people and uh, you get a bonus episode every single week and uh, also access to all of our previous bonus episodes now up to 25 previous bonus episodes and they are jam-packed with some of the best ghost stories that have ever been sent into us they're not best of shows they are unique completely original material so if you like the show consider throwing some in the kitty keeping it going uh and enjoy those extras and of course you also get access to that uh that uh, spirits in the air video as well Uh, of the haunted Wichita airport, which is pretty cool. And we have a new thing, actually, we're working on for our EPPs here soon. Um, We've been talking about doing this for a while, and we're actually now actively uh, saving these parts of our show for a very special, like, kind of once-a-month type thing. What? Outtakes. Oh, yeah, because there's plenty (laughs) of those. And uh, it'll just be kind of like a little extra, you know, 10 to 15 minutes bonus. And it's in addition to the EPP episodes. It's like a blooper reel. It's a blooper reel, essentially, of of the month. And uh, it's, it's, you know... Oh, you thought that we just kept the bloopers on the show. Well, in a lot of cases, we do. But these are the really, really messed up ones. Yeah, these are special. Where we start cursing at each other and... No, uh, we don't do that. But Throwing things. There's misreads that are pretty funny. And there's audio of, of Jenny smashing a wine glass over my head. At one, I'm kidding. I would never <laughs> waste wine like that. Anyway, that's going to be coming up uh, very soon. So if you are an EPP, uh, I hope you uh, get excited. It'll be a fun one. Uh, And if you're not yet, please sign up. Just another extra that we want to throw your way uh, to the folks who are uh, able to financially support our show. We greatly, greatly appreciate it because you ultimately are the folks who are keeping our show. Uh, on the air. Donna writes in, hi, Tony and Jenny, love your show. I'm being, uh, and being an EPP, even better. See, even Donna loves being an EPP. My story began when I was about 11 years old. I've always had a deep connection with animals, so much so that I have a business as a pet sitter, and I'm absolutely in love with it. I've always been a loner and sensitive, creative type. I lived alone with my mom for a while in uh, my preteen years, way out in the country. Whenever I was sad or lonely or scared, I'd look out my bedroom window to see a beautiful golden lab staring back at me. It seemed to always be there at night, standing in the light of the neighbor's porch. I thought of him as my friend and would talk to him out the window screen. Strangely, I never played with him during the day or even remember seeing him then. Years later, in my tumultuous twenties, I was struggling emotionally. One night, I just took off in my car and drove into the night. Feelings of wanting to escape filled me as I got myself lost. Crying and frantically trying to figure out where I was, I turned onto a dirt driveway that was too small to turn around on. I drove to the end and saw these glowing eyes of a golden lab staring back at me. I sat fixated on his gaze and felt at peace. 
He walked into the woods, and I found my way back home. Another night I was out driving again. I drive to get away from others. This summer night, my eyes were filled with tears, and I felt desperate. I was in an abusive relationship and feared for my life. I drove crazily at high speeds along a curvy, dark road when up ahead I saw a golden lab standing in the road. I swerved to miss him and slowed myself way down. My heart was pumping out of my chest. Many years later, I was driving home from work at sunset and began to climb a hill going a good speed when again a golden lab walked out in front of me. I slowed right down and caught his gaze. Continuing up the hill, I was shocked to see a huge truck filled with hay crossing the road as the sun blinded me. I would have undoubtedly hit the truck if I hadn't slowed myself down because of the dog. One last time I was walking the beach at night alone, something I loved to do. The moon was brilliant and I was peacefully walking alone when I felt someone following me. I turned around to see a golden lab. came up to me, licked my hand and we sat together in the sand. I began to cry. I felt this feeling of peace and happiness and gave him a big hug. He ran off about 20 minutes later, leaving me in awe. I know maybe these experiences were coincidences, but I feel it's something more. I don't know what it means. I've had strange animal experiences with deer and birds as well, even butterflies. They all seem drawn to me. Sometimes I feel like I belong with the animals more than people. I hope you like my story. I thought it might create a smile or two. I don't know if this is a story about a ghost dog or an angel, but to me, it's a beautiful one. I wonder if a spirit guide can be an animal. I think so. Maybe that's her spirit guide. That he just shows up every time she's in a time of need. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I mean, and really, a lot of times when you have a, a guide or a or an angel or or something like that, making itself, making its presence known, mm-hmm. it's not a whole lot of words exchanged, even yeah. even when it is in human form. Well, and being that she's more in tune to animals, she's more likely to notice an animal mm-hmm. than a person. Yeah. So it makes more sense for it to be a golden lab or a yellow lab every yeah. time she sees it. Yeah, I, uh, I I think you're probably exactly right. I think it is some sort of a guide okay. or an angel or, or something of that nature. And I think it can take really on any sort of form. And yeah. It's uh, clearly been a comfort and really just kind of finding that peace in, uh, as she described it, a very you know, tumultuous time, um, just kind of getting that peace and that escape and be a, you know, a big thing. Mm-hmm. So very, very good story. Thank you for writing in and, and sharing that with us. Uh, Jenny or Jeannie? J-E-N-N-I-E. Is that a Jenny spelling or is that a Jeannie spelling? I think it's Jenny. Okay. I'm a new listener. Greatly enjoy your show. From what I've heard, I have had these experiences all my life, reaching even back to my childhood. But the two that stand out best in my mind was during a time after I had my second child. I recall sitting out on the front porch of my Louisiana home one night with my then-husband. We have since divorced. And we were talking. I saw a young man that looked to be in his early 20s walking past. I could hear his necklaces tinkling the white of his shirt and the white on his shoes right down to the gold in his teeth in stark contrast to his dark face when he turned smiling and waved at me. Thinking nothing of the young man, I waved back. My husband immediately asked me who I was waving at. I was terribly confused, but when I looked back, the young man was gone, and my husband swears he was never there. 
Not too long later, I was walking back from the corner store on a rather rainy day when I saw a girl. Looked to be in her teens, and she looked very pale and tired. She looked so horribly unhappy, I smiled and waved at her. She smiled back at me as if no one had ever done such a thing, and I just made her day, and then just vanished before my eyes. I never found out who either of these people were, or anything about them, despite looking. All I can think was that if I see them and interact with them in some way, I usually never see them again. What are your thoughts, and keep up the good work? I think your light's shining bright, and they can see it, and they know that you can see them. Yeah, and they just want to recognize that. That may be all they need. And maybe it's something that you needed, too, at that time. Maybe just a nice human inter... Or not human, but uh, interaction, positive interaction with something of just, hi. Yeah. You know, it's always... You get a good feeling when you wave at someone and they wave back and they're friendly back at you, whether or not they're dead. (laughs) Yeah. If you just get that mutual, oh, hi, I'm a nice person, you're a nice person, let's say hi and greet each other today. That's a nice thing. It is a nice thing. So, that may just be it. It may just, they see your light and they just want to have, no, you could benefit from it too. I agree. All right. 855-853-4802. That's the phone number. Jeff writes in, I've had numerous experiences that could be categorized as paranormal. I, at one time, believed in the paranormal, but am now a skeptic. In fact, when I tell people these stories, they argue with me about them being paranormal, as I now believe there must be another explanation, but I, to this day, don't have one. Just believe there must be one somewhere. Perhaps you can tell me what you think. Here is one of the unexplained. In 1984, I was living in Long Beach, California. I was 23 years old and lived alone in a one-bedroom apartment. I lived two blocks from the coastline, which may be important later in the story. My apartment was on the bottom floor, in the front of a two-story, typical Southern California apartment building that had about 20 units. The unique location of my unit meant I had no neighbors, except for the unit above me. I lived in the apartment about six months with no unusual activity. One night, I went to bed about 11 p.m. and turned the lights out. I'd been in bed about 10 minutes when my bed began to shake. Being a native Californian, I had been in many earthquakes. Of all magnitudes, and earthquakes have never bothered me. I thought this was a minor shaker. As my double bed shook, I soon realized it was not going side to side, but up and down. The shaking became more violent and lasted longer than any earthquake I had ever experienced. Soon my bed was actually hopping. The feet of the bed were leaving the floor, and I was now riding the bed, not lying on it. I turned on the light and climbed out. I stood watching my bed, hopping up and down quickly and violently. I remember the film of The Exorcist and can only compare what my bed was doing to the scene in the movie where Reagan's bed was doing the same thing. I walked onto my bedroom and into my living room. The rest of the apartment was still. My hanging plants were motionless, and in the bedroom I could still hear the bed hopping. I went outside and looked around for neighbors who may be outside and perhaps experiencing something strange in their apartments. The courtyard was empty. There was no one around. I later learned my upstairs neighbor was out of town, so I had no neighbor at all that night. I went back to my apartment and could still hear the bed jumping. Walked in the room and it was continuing to violently hop. The four legs were moving independently and each leg was coming off the floor about eight inches. And it was moving fast. The bed had 
now been shaking for about 20 minutes. As I looked on it, slowed and eventually stopped. I went back to the living room and sat on the couch and wondered, what should I do? Call a friend? Call my mother? I decided those were not options. Sleeping on a small old couch was not an option either, so I decided I had to go to bed. This is now perhaps 30 minutes after the episode first began. I walked into the room, looked at the bed, and said out loud, I don't know who you are or what you want. I just don't want to see you. The rest of the night was calm. I lived there another six months and never had another experience. Later, I learned that the old cruise liner, the Queen Mary, is supposedly haunted. If I walked two blocks from my apartment, I could see the ship about a quarter of a mile diagonally across the harbor. As I said, I am now a skeptic and don't believe that was a paranormal experience, but I certainly cannot explain it. If this seems interesting, I have had several other experiences that have been equally inexplicable and would be happy to share them. Yes, I'd love to hear them. I think uh, anytime you're describing an experience in your life as, oh, that's just like on The Exorcist, <laughs> you got to have to admit it was paranormal. Well, and the thing is, there I obviously don't know everything, but I can't even begin to come up with a logical explanation for what would make a bed do that. You had a large animal underneath the bed stuck. There's your only logical explanation. Yeah. A stray animal from the LBC Zoo came in and uh, was stuck underneath your bed. Okay. And eventually escaped without you seeing it. There's your logical explanation. (laughs) Completely not likely. Yeah. Like, exorcism bed is more likely than that. Yeah, that's and and the 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 tell there is that it stopped when you said you didn't want it, didn't want to see it. Yeah. But I think you meant didn't want to see what it was doing either. Yeah, and it stopped. Anything that stops on command, there's some kind of intelligence there. And I, I'm not even necessarily thinking it was evil. No, I mean the fact that you it stopped on command. Uh, usually the dark ones don't do that. Um, it just may have been something trying to get attention and had, what, for whatever reason, a lot of energy able to, to do something like that. Um, but uh, I'm sorry, man. I got to go. Paranormal there. That's, uh, uh, there's nothing else other than the zoo animal. But if it happens again and you somehow have somebody come in and say what is the cause and it's not paranormal yeah let us know yeah. just because that's a bizarre one and let us know your other stories that you say are equally just as uh, inexplicable we would love to uh, to hear those here on the show there you go wraps up another episode of real ghost stories online please support the show keep it alive become an EPP sign up on the website real ghost stories online dot com until next time for Jenny Bruski I'm Tony Bruski thanks for listening to another episode of real ghost stories online.